Beyond, and hello everyone, and welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 656 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. We made it. Big 656, the episode <laughs> we've all been waiting for. Uh, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and I'm joined this week, yet again this week, by Brian Altano. Beyond. Janet Garcia. What's up? And Mitchell Saltzman. Beyond, and hello! It's been it's been so long since I've seen all three of you specifically in this format to talk about video games. <laughs> so long indeed. It's yeah. good to see you guys though. It is. Um is this, it, the, is this the DLC for our other episode or is the other episode DLC for this? The, this is actually the expansion. DLC. This is at least now I'm not like an airplane adventure. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, was I was literally just lighting myself with a lamp that I had like <laughs> tossed over on the ground, and I was recording off my MacBook that I had on a stack of pillows I found. That's so great. I, I, I had no idea you were at the Airbnb at the time, so I totally would have not like made you be on the spot for that. But I appreciate you calling in nonetheless. Um, yeah. uh, of course, we are all speaking about the other episode of the show that went up this week, our Ghost of Tsushima uh, review, spoiler-free review cast, where we uh, dove into everything we liked, didn't like, uh, and thought about the game from our uh, initial impressions, given that the game's not out for everyone yet. But uh, we talked, of course, about Mitchell's review, which you ha- if you haven't watched or read, it is now live. Go check it out. It's great. Uh, and you can find out more about his many, many thoughts on the game. Uh, and of course, listen to that episode for all of our thoughts on it. Uh, once you all start playing the game, which will be this weekend after this episode comes out, please write in to beyond at IGN.com with some of your thoughts and we'll read some on next week's show. And of course, as we get into more uh, Ghost of Tsushima talk, when we can talk about more spoilery things. Uh, beyond that, I did want to mention uh, just a huge thank you to, we've had a large rotating cast in the last few weeks because of all of the summer of gaming and all the other crazy things happening uh, in the industry right now that we've been having to work on. So thank you to all of the guests that we've been having on. We will have more guests to come in the weeks and months as this year continues. But I uh, just wanted to give a, a big thank you to everyone. I did want to mention on the show, because it is uh, not live as of while we're recording, but it will be live once this episode goes live, so I can say it. Um, as part of our IGN first for Marvel's Avengers, we announced that the beta dates uh, are on the way for Avengers. So starting August 7th, if you've pre-ordered the game on PS4, you will get access to the beta. Uh, the beta eventually comes to Xbox and PC as well, but PS4 is where it starts uh, on August 7th, and then it goes into open beta on ps4 on august 14th so if you haven't pre-ordered the game and are waiting the whole judgment and want to dive in then august 14th is when you'll be able to do that uh so we'll probably be talking about impressions about that game in august before it's september launch but uh there's a lot other stuff to talk about this week uh the biggest thing i want to talk about of course is the ps5 date and price were supposed to be announced monday right everyone <laughs> yes it? but uh it, it, there was a rumor going around that that was going to happen and that had me uh, paranoid and terrified and i don't know about you guys but i had like seven tabs open at the off chance that things would go, the pre-orders would go live um i was expecting to just have like this sort of like really rough afternoon where i had to kind of consolidate with myself over how much of a dent my bank account took <laughs> and how how caught up in like launch fever i got with absolutely useless stuff that i definitely didn't need you know and also making sure, like, I was like, I got to get the camera, like, even though I don't know if I do got to get the camera. The but, remote. Yeah, the remote, right? Because I, <laughs> I know it's, what's going to happen is they're all going to they're going to sell out instantly. I'm going to be like, should have got that remote and then never yep. use the remote. I'm so stupid around console launches, you guys. So dumb. Um, it's hard not to be. 
because uh, yeah. it's the newness and the excitement. But of course, uh, yeah, despite those rumors drumming up, I was actually on a day off. And then I saw those rumors pop up in the morning was like, I'm going to be online right at that uh, supposed time just in case. But it's one of those things where um, I, I feel like everyone we're all just you know so tuned in right now like the entire industry is just so focused on every little update that can happen because we're all at home and so the second you know even the tantalizing idea that this might happen popped up i think everyone just jumped on it even though there wasn't like it, it wasn't as if you know shuhei tweeted out the first letter of every tweet for the past month said you know june 12th on it at twelve thirty. so right um there well, there wasn't any sort of official source or tease in that way so i think it's one of those things where I think they're going to wait till after that Xbox event next week. Um, do you think yeah. when they do announce it that they're just going to like put it out into the ether via a blog post or a tweet, or do you see this being tied to an event? I don't know if they'll do like I. So I'll put it this way: there's no universe in which there isn't at least mild sticker shock from a significant percentage of the planet justifiably for how much this thing's going to cost. And so I think building up to like a big video reveal and not just like a PlayStation five will be launching blah, blah, blah for five, $600. Like that's, that's the easiest way to make it go over simply. Um, they, I think they'll, they never want another thing of like, um, what was Kazurai being like 599 us dollars. You don't, that's, it's a bad audio clip. It's a bad video clip. It's a lot easier if you get like a screen cap of a tweet and a bunch of people can yell about it online. Um, as we will all plan to do, but yeah, I, 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 I would, I would imagine that they, they just go, here's a little bit of information. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong though. This year has been insane. <laughs> yeah. It, it's one of those things where like, it could go either way and it wouldn't shock me. I feel like it will come after, you know, like a big lead up to it, but it will probably come in a, a blog post because it is like Brian was saying, you don't have that video or audio clip going around of someone in case the price is high. You don't have someone saying, and it's five. 50 or something weird um whereas uh doing it especially after you know if there is a state of play in august as there have been rumors about they get to say here are all the other big new ps5 games and then the the day after or immediately after the event they can say like by the way here's the price yeah yeah um, for me i think i think it's going to be if it's something to celebrate it's going to be in a in a, a, re- a video reveal or some sort of a you know state of play event if it's something that they don't want to really you know make people uh, mad about then it's just going to be a blog post mm-hmm. yeah. i mean it is odd it feels like i mean in a, in a normal year this would have been e3 and we probably would have gotten prices and release dates for both of those systems or at least something close close to a price um but but we didn't and so uh, there is still that game of chicken they're playing with microsoft uh and so we'll see what, what happens with that i would i would be amazed if we get the the series x price immediately uh, during their event too, just because it seems like both of them are waiting for as long as possible. Although I have a feeling that Microsoft is going to be pretty competitive this time around, especially with um, entering the market with two uh, sort of parallel SKUs at different price points. And so I, I actually wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be floored if we got the price sooner than later with them. But I would be surprised if we got the, if we got it after uh, PlayStation's price, unless there was like a, a big difference between the two. Yeah, same. Um, it, so, it's weird that they didn't they didn't capitalize off of the the moment we all found out about PS5. Um, I noticed Nintendo did the same thing with the Switch Lite, uh, where they were like, "Here's our Switch Lite," and then it wasn't really available for pre order for a while. Um, same thing happened, I believe, with uh, the Animal Crossing Special Edition system. Like, 
and th- those things all sold well. So, but you would you would think that like to to capitalize on that zeitgeist zeitgeist moment, um, there were hundreds of like fake PS5 listings on eBay the second we found out about the PS5. So, um, yeah, I don't know I, if it was up to me, I would have been like, here's the PS5, here's the price, here's your pre order right now. But yeah, this it, here. it it is it feels crazier like week by week. Granted, this year feels crazier week by week in general but just like how close we are to these consoles coming and how little we know about the launch lineup the price the details like obviously um last generation the ps4 reveal event was in february uh, of that year so there there was a longer window of time that we were talking about the ps4 as a thing whereas the ps5 the big reveal really was just in june so it's going to be a truncated calendar regardless of when it happens but i i would not be surprised if playstation really just holds out for as long as possible i do think like brian was saying microsoft will be a little more aggressive uh when it comes to saying what their price will be um uh, but, so sorry, I, i've i've actually been pretty disconnected from all the rumors i've kind of just resigned myself to the idea of whatever this thing is going to cost i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna sell whatever i need to to be able to afford it Plasma, uh, I, I was like, wow, Mitchell has money. Then you're like, if whatever I have to get rid of, my so no, 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 kidneys. <laughs> I have a whole shelf of things over there that's just waiting to be sold to be able to afford uh, the next yeah. consoles. Uh, so, because I've been so disconnected, I'm just curious uh, what you guys just throw out a number. What do we think this thing is going to cost? At least uh, five hundred. I'm worried it's going to cost more. Like, what I'm scared of is especially with the PS5 and I guess the Series X both having two SKUs, one that is obviously going to be cheaper than the other one. I hope, geez, imagine it's the same price. Um, <laughs> I'm worried that like, is the cheap model actually still expensive? Is like the disc list version of the PS5 actually still 500 and the other one's like six or like, I think I'm out of, no, I had that right, right? The disc list one being the cheaper one. Um, that's what I'm worried. I'm hoping it'll be like a nice way around where like the one that has the disc drive is like five fifty, and the other one's like five, or like that it's kind of small enough or skews down to something closer to this gen's price. But I'm really worried that they're like, "Ooh, this is very expensive." But if you're like trying to be cheap, you, it's still five hundred dollars, but you don't get a disc drive. That's that's what I'm worried about because I want the one with the yeah. disc drive, and I, I don't be, have any of this money. <laughs> I, I think like my gut tells me four fifty for the discless and five hundred mm. for the standard edition, just because I do think. The closer you get to 600, the the harder really it is going to be to sell to consumers. And I do think the PS3 launch still really holds like a lot of weight in the mind of, you know, the Sony executives about how poorly that went over. Um, that said, like the the PlayStation side of it is weird because it is just a discless version versus the disc based version. They're the same insides, whereas everything we know it's still not even officially announced but like there is a difference in hardware between the lockhart and the series x and so i do not know where that lockhart is going to come in on the power scale of all these consoles but also on the price scale because i would not be shocked if microsoft wants to use that to really undercut sony but i also then don't know what the benefit of buying that cheap console is if it's going to be outdated you know in two or three years when we get half steps uh to this generation yeah i mean the the philosophy there is essentially in the same way you you can spend x amount on a pc or you can spend x and y on a pc and get a much better one um but they'll all hypothetically still share the same experiences just at slightly different qualities i feel like if um well two things if if there's a hundred dollar price disparity between the 
disc based version. I hate saying discless because it never comes out right. <laughs> disc based version of the PS5 and the undisked version of the PS5. That um, was worse. That was worse. Uh, th- that's gonna be that's gonna feel insane, especially for a, co- a console generation that is by all standards uh, coming closer and closer to PC than ever before. Like the PC gaming community would laugh in the faces of anybody charging a hundred dollars for a admittedly proprietary disc drive that can mm-hmm. only function on certain ways. Uh, but furthermore, if there's a hundred dollar disparity between the higher quality Xbox and the and the not as good Xbox, and a hundred dollars gets you that much more on the xbox side but on the playstation side it gets you a disc drive that's gonna suck (laughs) like that's not that's not gonna look great either and so i do think that i i think they would be crazy if they went higher than like 50 dollars or 75 at the most for the disparity between those two SKUs. um that's why i'm predicting 549.99 for uh disc based or the 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 disc whatever the the choppy one yes yeah and then and then 600 for discless Wait, six hundred for discless or five hundred? Six hundred. So you're Wait, saying so the discless will be more expensive? No, I screwed that up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they need real names. Do they have real names by the He's way? No. It's, it's the PS5 digital edition, and then okay. the, the PS5. Okay, yeah. fine. So, okay. so <laughs> PS5, <laughs> PS5 is six hundred. Digital edition is five fifty. Okay. That's my prediction, and I don't think I think most people are going to be really upset about those. Uh, both of those numbers because they're they're really expensive and some of the most expensive we've ever seen for a console yeah it's gonna be um it yeah it's man it is such a weird like i i'm excited about having the next gen like it's finally here but it's also just one of those there's a lot of questions and i just would like answers because everything else is uncertain right now i'd like this to be a little more certain well one of the other things we do know is they did say um that they're they're going to be in shorter quantity right and so that was that was the other thing that sort of had me panicking um but this bears repeating every time we bring this conversation up um and not to be like a a, you know stick in the mud or whatever but the reality of 2020 uh as we just found out even just a few days ago is that 33 percent of uh, households in the u.s were not able to pay their their housing payments for the month um this is this is a bleak year financially, economically for millions and millions of people, and so um, I just I hate I hate saying that, but I just feel like I have to say that. No, totally. Yeah, six hundred dollars. That's a good point. Like, yeah, you know, well, and, and then that that doesn't even start to include games and an additional controller, and yeah. you know the the about a thousand bucks you would probably the media need to spend remote, really the media remote, which will weirdly cost more than the console itself, but that's a discussion for another episode. <laughs> uh, do you want to get into some of the stuff we can actually talk about this week? Um, you know, be sure to let us know in the comments whether you're uh, disc in or disc out when it comes Stop to next it. gen. And we'll talk about that uh, next week. No. Um, it's we're just we're falling down a hole uh, i do want to talk of course about ubisoft forward which happened this past weekend uh and it was the first of multiple apparently ubisoft forwards are going to be getting uh there is another one planned for later this year um but this one seemed to be focused on games really that we already knew about uh ex- save for one but we kind of knew about that because of leaks uh which we'll get to in a second but uh the big three games to talk about are of course far cry 6 watchdogs legion and assassin's creed valhalla uh, we'll ca- kind of go one by one because two of those games, uh, the three of you on this panel have gotten to play or seen large chunks of, whereas I just had to watch the conference and hope they're good in the fall. But oh. uh, the one the one that none of us have gotten to play yet is, of course, the newly announced game, which was Far Cry 6, 
which after a few days of leaks was officially revealed. Uh, it's coming on February 18th, 2021. Uh, it will start uh, Breaking Bad and the Mandalorian actor Giancarlo Esposito as the villain of the game. And uh, out of curiosity, I asked the Beyond YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Beyond. You can go subscribe there every time uh, new episodes come up. You'll get them right away. Uh, I asked everyone basically after the event, which of those three PS4 slash PS5 games, because Far Cry 6 is also coming to both, are you most excited for? There were 1.3 thousand votes as of the time of this poll. 43% said AC Valhalla, 37% said Far Cry 6, and 20% said Watch Dogs Legion. So unfortunately, the Legion, which personally I'm the most excited for, uh, was on the bottom of that poll. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of big open world giant games to lose yourself in for dozens, if not hundreds of hours to come from Ubisoft, I think no surprise. Uh, I wanted to ask everyone just sort of quickly before we get into the games you all have played, what did everyone think of the Far Cry 6 reveal? Uh, This is of course coming after Far Cry 5, brought it to America, uh, and then Far Cry New Dawn was like, what if America was even crazier? And then America kind of got crazier as did the rest of the world in this year, and then it's like, oh boy life uh but anyway what did everyone think of the far cry 6 reveal because i've definitely seen i would say a mixed response uh online really uh no i am super excited for it uh i think this was an amazing announcement for far cry 6 uh i you know we all we obviously knew that john carlos esposito was going to be part of this um but you know, far cry is a series i talked about this on news games and more far cry is far cry is a series with that's obviously very focused on villains, but it's villains are always kind of overtly crazy, like kind of just wild out of control. Nutso. And Giancarlo is known for, for playing villains who are very subtle in their, Mm -hmm. you know, their evilness, so to speak. Um, And so I was like, well, what, what does a, a far cry Giancarlo villain look like? And that was exactly what I think uh, it should be. Um, it was like very soft spoken. He was, he still had that, that, uh, intimidation factor and he just had like a really cool, uh, just monologue that was like about the, you know, the, the grenade and how, you know, if you, you have to hold it because if you let go, it'll all explode right in your face. Um, and that, that was how he, he handled controlling the, the population uh, so yeah, I, I think you can only get so excited about a game before you see the gameplay, but I'm at the maximum level of excitement that you can be for, for Far Cry 6 right now. Yeah, I yeah. will say, uh, just to give some detail on the game, it's set in a fictional country named Yara, uh, the capital city being Esperanza, where uh, we see his character very clearly modeled after Cuba uh, in, in terms of its sort of isolation from the rest of the world um, and certain things of... Uh, technological differences that have maybe happened elsewhere haven't always come to excuse me this fictional island Uh, and he is sort of the dictator in charge and a big thing that we've seen in the trailer is his relationship with his son and essentially grooming him to take over for him uh, anyway, yeah. Brian, I didn't mean to cut you off, but go ahead. No, no, no. That's that's a fantastic setup. I'll add to um, this is the first one with like sprawling urban environments. So densely yes. packed cities and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I'm sure it'll still have lots of like wild jungles and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm a gigantic Better Call Saul Breaking Bad fan. Giancarlo Esposito is like one of my favorite actors. We uh, historically in a lot of his stuff don't really get to see him as a actual father. Like you see him as a father figure um but i think mitchell nailed it he's like he's got this incredibly cold calculated menacing presence um 
that feels like it could boil over at any minute. Uh, but he also has a really good way of making everything seem fine. Like if you watch his El Polo Loco scenes in Breaking Bad, when people come in, he's like, is your, is your lunch great? Can I help you with anything? Just checking in. But in the back of his head, your head, you're like, he, he'll kill you. And you can tell. Um, I gotta like say, a- I, I, I just want him to be happy in one, you know, sure movie. I just want to watch a rom-com with him in the lead, like him finding love in Paris or something would just be a yep. joy. But oh anyway, God. go ahead. No, I'm also a gigantic Far Cry fan. And uh, I, I, there, I, I basically relegate about five days a year, every time one of those games comes out to uh, just completely hole up in an apartment with the curtains closed, eat like trash, just black out and hundred percent the game. And it's like, they're, they're cartoon stupid. They are, uh, they have some of my favorite sort of like interconnected systems where things are bursting into flames and there's bears running out and animals everywhere. And they're over the top dumb. The last one, new dawn legit had a double jump in it. Like this, that was, <laughs> that was based on a, that was based on a game that when we first found uh, the reveal, we were like, Oh, they're going political. This is very clearly about the rise of, you know, uh, like, fringe groups in red states who are trying to take back power uh and and also interconnected with uh, religious cults and stuff like that Uh, and you know talking to the people involved in the game it very much seemed like they were taking a slightly more political approach but in traditional ubisoft fashion they backtracked on all of that stuff and so that's where i find there's a little bit of disconnect with this um like i'm super i i First of all, I don't want to be like I don't want to come off as one of those people that's like I demand more political themes in my video games because in Far Cry I legit don't care if you can go full political, great. I'm gonna have a blast. I'm still gonna collect all of the like turkey testicles to build a grenade launcher or whatever. <laughs> but uh, if you also go full dumb, I love that too. Uh, like Blood Dragon is fantastic and it's not political in in any traditional sense, right? Everything is political now because people I don't know. Say what you will about dragons, though. I mean, Game of Thrones got political. But people um, people can play like a woman walking into a room with political. They're like, a woman's here. This is political. And it's like, no, she just exists. And you need to power through this. And so, no, I think that like if these games go full stupid, great. But this is a game about Cuba. And it is about, you know, uh, it starts with what looks like a Black Lives Matter protest. There's people in the street and they're throwing throwing things and they're fighting and they're yelling and they're screaming. Uh, But also like the pre-order bonus is is like a laser disc shooter and like a, a dog in a wheelchair and so like i do think that there's a lot of disconnect there and i i i just wish it was kind of one or the other because what always happens here is they go like well this is based on this this is based on this and then you go is it political and they're like no 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 nothing like that and so like i i, I always find that disconnect to be kind of grating a little bit yeah it's um i you know, I've had a lot of fun with uh, Assassins and Watchdogs and uh, Far Cry before, but it is one of those things where it's like Ubisoft has been, and granted, there's a lot of change going on behind the scenes of that company right now, but when they are so staunchly saying, our games are political, and then in this Ubisoft forward presentation, this is very clearly based on, you know, revolutionary iconography mm-hmm. uh, with Far Cry 6, and then the Watchdogs Legion trailer adapts a famous poem about Nazi Germany to be about this game you're kind of yeah you're 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 saying some things whether you want to or not and i like i i I do agree that i wish they would just kind of own it rather than pretending they aren't i think it is fine to include those things or not but i do think they need to be a little more self-aware transparent when it comes to how they talk about those things like to have your cake and eat it too thing they did the same thing with the division which is like it's like okay if you want to like 
borrow some of these themes a little bit, sure. But they're going like they're going a little bit more than a pinky toe. It's like a foot. And then the second like the water gets a little cold, they're like, no, 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 we didn't mean to go in there. And like, yeah. so we're gonna uh, I think oftentimes like on that, I, I think Ubisoft's starting to kind of own the politics with their games a bit more. I mean, if you guys look back at our uh, E3 coverage, I think it might have been Matt Perslow who did this article uh, talking to, and if it's not Matt Perslow, sorry, whoever wrote it, but IGN, uh, talking to the Ubisoft and the Watch Dogs team about the politics of Legion and, you know, how it relates to Brexit. And they kind of were a lot more forthcoming and saying that, yes, this is political. What I will say about Ubisoft games just kind of in general, is they use politics as set dressing in a playground, which I think, I mean, we could dig into that for a long time. I think it's a little bit, um, uh, like a little off-putting to be so clearly political, but really not saying anything. It's kind of like you just are having fun with it. And I think that's a little bit janky in some ways, but I don't personally find it like that polarizing for me. Like I can still enjoy and play those games, but it's like, okay, this is, political but you're not really doing anything with it you're not really making a commentary you're just kind of using it to like ditz around in so it's kind of a missed opportunity to say something more socially but i also don't think they're trying to say anything i think they just want to have fun and i think they pick these things because they're like oh this can get crazy or wild we can put grenades and explosions and they kind of just pick what seems like it'd be fun to explore in rather than let me critically engage with this um that being said for far cry i've actually never played a far cry game what? Um, it's just something I know. I almost <laughs> didn't. I, I want to do the guide for uh, one of them, but I didn't get it. I know people might be like, "Why do you want to do the guide if you've never played it?" Because I do, have. Do you, do, you, do you have PlayStation Plus? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, so um, Far Cry Three Classic Edition, which is arguably one of the best Far Cries ever made, is ninety percent off on PlayStation Plus right now, or on PSN. But your PlayStation Plus gives you an additional ten percent off, Ooh. which means it is a hundred percent free. <laughs> so yeah. start, there, start there go to four primal is a is like a drunk fever dream it is so stupid but i love it primal is um, I, I i dug primal but it was such a like wh- okay sure yeah, yeah just go there i guess for a half day and then leave yeah. Yeah. from the outside looking in i do think the games look fun and i was i, I just kind of haven't gotten to them yet it's not like oh far yeah i don't feel like anti-far cry i just haven't gotten around to those games yet so i'll definitely check those out on the lead up. Um, I do think to kind of echo what Brian said, um, I thought the cinematics were super compelling, really interesting, but I felt like the cinematics that they showed to tease this game reveal were sort of deeper than what I expect the game to actually be. It was sort of setting up for this really intriguing story, but just looking at the series history, even from the outside looking in, I'm like, no one ever talks about like, oh, Far Cry made this great political commentary. It's just kind of like, it's fun. There's a bear. The bear's name is Burger, And like, there's something on fire. And like, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'm not trying to be dismissive of that series. But that was something that was sort of in contrast for me. Um, as far as uh, Giancarlo, um, I only recently found out he's not a Latinx person. So I'm yeah, me really too. not <laughs> a fan of that element of having like, characters from different races portray a character of another race um i did see a clip of him back from like 2013 which is a really long time ago i'm talking about his ethnicity and his roles and he sort of talked about like oh because i'm racially ambiguous i kind of just go into all these roles and he kind of one thing he mentioned in that really old interview was that he does that because he didn't feel like there were a lot of actors that were latino to play those roles so he kind of just took them think of that what you will but especially to still kind of see him taking roles like that now um yeah, I, I that doesn't sit great with me. I feel like I'm not a fan of that, is what I'll say. And I do think that 
which we're seeing a lot of Latinx characters in games lately, which is awesome. However, we are also seeing a lot of developers and writers choosing to highlight uh, Latin culture by interjecting random Spanish words that don't feel natural to how people speak. Um, I do think that games having potential to fall into that. I've already seen that a bit with Cyberpunk. I definitely saw it a lot in The Last of Us 2. Uh, and it's I'm honestly quite tired of it. So hopefully yeah. it doesn't do that, but I don't really trust that Far Cry 6 won't lean into that, especially with like what they have like a wiener dog named Sausage, which is dumb and not dumb in like a harmless way, I feel like, but kind of in a way that is exasperating as someone that's uh, Hispanic who plays video games. No, I totally sure. feel that. Yeah. My, yeah. One of the strongest representations of an Italian American in video games is a, pl- a plumber that jumps out of pipes and says, Mamma Mia. <laughs> so, oh my God, Brian, he's right behind you. I, yeah, he's Don't right behind you. Like and then remember when he dressed Mexican? That was like layers of layers. Oh, yeah. of, so many layers. And I still love that game. Like, I think when I bring up these things, people of course, yeah. kind of get, you know, their feathers ruffled about it. Like, I, I'm at the end of the day, I'm a game critic and I will play pretty pretty much anything unless something's really like messed up. But I think it, you know, we're missing a big point of the conversation of what there is to talk about a game if we just kind of ignore that. I mean, like, hey, I'm not the one that cast it that way. I'm not the one that wrote it that way. Um, and I think, too, if we tie it back to, like, the quality of the game, it can it can influence how the final product ends up coming into place. So I'm really interested to see how they handle um, this, like, fake Cuba representation. But at the end of the day, I get that it's a Far Cry game and it's kind of meant to be silly. But I think that's also where it becomes, like, extra charge. It's like you're being... You're maybe you're taking this more lightly than you should, being that it's like representing certain cultures and certain groups. But yep, that was my takeaway from it. That being said, like I said, I thought it looked really compelling, um, but I'm not sure if they're really going to take it home with the final product in, in terms of the story, which I know no one really comes to Far Cry for. But I found it. I mean, they're the ones leaning into that for their initial um, oh, yeah. advertising, so it it kind of right. makes me feel like, oh, are they going to like zag here? I, I feel like probably not, but that's how they're positioning it. It's it's definitely going to be weird to know that like Giancarlo is probably going to be giving this very like uh, very dramatic performance full of gravitas like halfway through this game. And then you're also going to run into a character who's probably like, I jerry rigged 30 grenade launchers onto this moped. Come help me kill all these people. And like that, there's just going to be a little bit of a weirdness. Exactly. There. Yeah. I think 100%, 100% that's going to be in the game. Yeah. And, and I will yeah. say that I think he's a fantastic actor. Like this oh, yeah. is no slight yeah. to his ability. Like I think he'll do a great job in the role, but I don't think he should be in that role, which you can fault multiple people for that casting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, it'll also absolutely have like a completely idiotic series of like drug subplots where like, you know, well, there's see, like, that's not what like Cuba's like, even if you're playing into that, I think it is going to lean very, yeah, I guess. But like, I feel like it will lean heavier on this revolutionary thing. One thing I am curious about, and maybe you guys can speak to this as people that are much more entrenched in the Far Cry franchise. Like, do you guys think there's going to be a lot of, like choices in it like i know sometimes there are all different endings because the way they positioned that opening was sort of you have to decide what kind of leader you're going to be do you think we're going to get to kind of pick paths in that way in this game or is it going to be kind of just one singular storyline i think Um, there will be a choice at the beginning of the game that lets you end the game very quickly i think there will be a choice at the end of the game that will decide one of two endings Yes. Yeah. 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 Nailed it. That's I also think about Far Cry. John Carlos' character will ultimately be window dressing for what is like a big, stupid gun and animal playground, um, and I love it for that. Like there, there will be a significant cutscenes in the intro, a couple hours in, a couple hours later, and then again at the end, and you'll fight him in some like pit of fire, and he'll be on some sort of drug, 
and you'll unload every weapon you own into him for like two hours and then the credits will roll, roll and you'll be like that was a weird weekend and then you won't think about <laughs> it for a while and then they'll be like yeah. in the dlc we're going to uh the the moon but it's also vietnam Oh, they are having three. So it's confirmed that there's three DLC with this game as well. Because I believe that was part of um, the collector's edition. Like you automatically get access to that if you purchase that. So um, yeah, that's. I I guess that's just going to be sort of standard practice moving forward. It's sort of content. It's to me, it's always a little overwhelming when they're like, "Here's the game that we haven't really shown much." Also, there's going to be more of the game you haven't seen. I was like. That's a lot of time. I personally can't wait for Mecha Esposito, who you'll fight in the DLC. Yes. Um, But yeah, I do want to talk about, of course, uh, before we run out of time, because we could probably talk about Far Cry for a while, but I do want to talk about the two games all of you got to actually go hands-on with, uh, Watch Dogs Legion and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which we both got uh, release dates for, and they are both coming this year within weeks of each other. So if you were like, I don't have an open world game to play before Cyberpunk comes out, well, good news, you have two. And then Cyberpunk two days after Assassin's Creed. Um, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla is set for November 17th and Watch Dogs is set for October 29th, I believe. Uh, and both will be on next-gen consoles as well. Uh, they didn't give release dates for those because we don't have release dates for those consoles. But, uh, you know. Or do we? Or do, or do we? we? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. also... Also, sorry, Janet and the rest of the Wiki's team, because Cyberpunk, that is going to be a yeah. nightmare for you guys. Cyberpunk's also <laughs> where either the day after or the day before. It's like right next to Valhalla. So. It's two days after. Yeah, it's um the, those three games within my a few weeks of each other. And my cyberpunk jacket on, and I'm just going to go. <laughs> Don't forget your cool Watchdog shades. Uh, yeah, yes. that's a few few hundred hours of open world games that we have to look forward to at the uh, end of this year, on top What's- of whatever else gets announced. What's crazy is that Cyberpunk's been delayed like eight times and Watch Dogs was sort of delayed indefinitely before redated. Like there were so many alternate universes where these games were mul- like multiple months apart and we could have yeah. been like I had so and much already fun out. with Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I put fifty hours into Ghost of Tsushima because I have nothing else going on right now in terms <laughs> of personal life and because uh it's not competing with any other video games for me. Like I'm playing a little bit of Paper Mario, but for the most part I'm like this is the only open world. I can't play like three open world games at the same time. It just same. it just messes me up. I can do yeah. that with a bunch of other different games. Um, but the fact that these games are going to come out now within like five or six days from each other, for one of those is Ubisoft's fault for not spacing out their own games. But yeah, I think I think this is a good, a pretty good estimate of the uh, new console window, which wasn't yeah. saying too much because a week before Black Friday was pretty predictable anyway. For sure. But yeah, yeah, I wouldn't expect the uh, PS5 and Series X launches mm-hmm. to be too far away from these games. But anyway, let's go to, uh, I guess, in calendar order. Let's start with Watch Dogs Legion. Um, Brian, you both got to play and see some. And Janet, you got to play some as well. You wrote our yep. preview, uh, which is up on IGN. Everyone can watch or read that uh, right now. Uh, also on YouTube. Uh, Janet, I'll start with you just because you uh, wrote the preview. What are sort of your like top level thoughts uh, after seeing this new chunk of the game? I liked it. So I'll open with that. I, the kind of running joke is that I hate games. This is a game I like yeah. so far. <laughs> so far. A game I like. Fair. There's also the, games that you haven't played yet, so you haven't had a chance to hate. That's true. There's that you, hate, didn't hate, haven't had time to hate. <laughs> like Far Cry 3. <laughs> um, but all joking aside, I, I had a really good time with it. I will say that um, my Watch Dogs history is a little bit um, sparser than I think other people's. I did dig into Watch Dogs 2 in preparation for this preview so that I could kind of talk about them somewhat in tandem. Um, I will say jumping straight from Watch Dogs 2 into Legion, it did feel very much similar in terms of the gameplay. There are new things added, like 
You guys probably noticed the cargo drones kind of flying overhead in the uh, footage that they showed at their event and across PV coverage. But if you enjoyed the gameplay of Watch Dogs 2, you will like Legion. It feels the same. However, I do think that the recruitment system adds a whole new layer of, of really awesome intrigue that I really latched onto. One of my favorite things in Watch Dogs 2 was just scanning people and taking their money in because you got to kind of see who they were and then like rob them and then keep going about your day. And what I love about Legion is that with the recruitment system, you can scan anyone and decide if there's someone you're interested in having on your team for the rest of the game. And that's super compelling. It also has um, a lot of those, like a mix of, in addition to the um, recruitment quests that you get from those NPCs or now playable characters, I guess, you also have like a little bit of um, like chillness added to it. Like the woman that I recruited, um, she had a, a negative opinion of dead sex. So I had to kind of meet her up and try to get to know her more. And on her schedule, uh, which you can like analyze if you upgrade this thing called the deep profiler, you can see like their day to day. Every character in the world has a real schedule. They have families, they have lives, they have jobs. I don't know how the hell they made this. It's super impressive to me. Uh, so I met up with this woman at the pub to play her in darts. And then I went to go investigate layoffs at her job. And I just thought all of it was so charming and odd and interesting. And she was this cute little old lady. And my character is like, now that we have you on our team, we're set. And it cuts to like this old lady's face. And it's, I, I really dug that stuff. And I thought it was like really cool. It's really, it's like, really, it ends up being really funny too. Oh yeah. Like, it's just, it's charming as hell. Um, So I think if you, it, it also made it more compelling to do more in the world because I do feel like Watch Dogs 2 and a lot of open world games fall into the problem of like, it's an open world, but it's not like I'm going into buildings or really doing any of this stuff. Um, even just the ability to walk into a pub that didn't have my headquarters in it to meet up with this woman was really cool. Um, so I liked all those aspects of it. They also do a thing where they will mark on your map recruits of interest. So if you're someone who isn't a narrative nerd like me and you maybe don't want to try scanning for the best people, you'll sort of have those cherry picked for you. Uh, one of those people was a beekeeper. I didn't have time, but I really wanted to recruit the beekeeper. And I, got the, I got the beekeeper. Oh, you did? Please yeah. tell me about the beekeeper. But I would say I that's my number one highlight. And then I also like, um, they're not groundbreaking, but I like the little changes between the characters. Um, for instance, if you're a, I was a graffiti artist. So when I did my takedown, you like spray them in the face with spray paint. Um, that doesn't go a long way mechanically, but I appreciate that small touch. Um, they also have little details like you can hijack self-driving cars so that you don't have to actually... Um, you know, hit anyone in the face, which helps because then you're like more liked and stuff. So I think there are a lot of really fun and charming details that don't ultimately change the core of the game. So if you don't like Watch Dogs 2, you, Legion probably still won't do it for you. But to me, it just improves on what's already there. And I personally have a fun time with Watch Dogs. It's not the most amazing, compelling game ever, but I think it's what I call like a really compelling kind of, of basic fun it, you know what you're getting, but I enjoy what I get, which is just like taking over cameras and causing explosions. And I really like that loop. So if you're into this, like, I think Watch Dogs Legion is going to be awesome from what I played. It could turn yeah. out to be different, but it's, I really liked it. I think it, it's like, it's most fun. It's definitely like a kind of uh, obviously like slimmed down, smaller scale GTA. But if you play GTA for the chaotic systems interconnected, um, what I really like about the Watch Dogs series which is prevalent in Legion, is just the ability to hijack stuff in the open world and make it clash with each other and collide. And that starts to create some really uh, fun situations. When I uh, initially uh, heard about this game, I were doing E3 interviews and stuff like that. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if I'd like it because I've always preferred 
like a sort of like one well-written protagonist over hundreds of generic ones or uh in the same way like i'd rather have like a tight level design rather than a procedurally generated one um but what i found is in practice it's uh a, you 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 care a lot more about these individual characters than i thought i would because it's it's not as simple as just clicking on them and becoming them you, like janet said you have to win them over which means like you're pulling up their personal information and you're finding out oh this is a spy but she's also uh a call girl and she's going to meet a john at three o'clock and if i go there and like beat up the guy when he like tries to do something to her uh i'm going to win her over and then she's going to join my team after like a series of things which means that when i'm playing as her since it's taken me an hour to get her when she gets shot in the head by cops i feel horrible because i have an <laughs> attachment to you now like i care about you but it also means uh, a whole lot of other stuff goes really insane because like we we're on the we we're on the way to go meet the john who is going to hurt her and um we i think like killed him with a car and then all these cops showed up and then we ended up fighting them and it just turns into this whole thing and like if you think about it it's like okay so a random woman walked by you on the street you doxed her phone you found out someone she was going to sleep with for money. You went and killed him with a car and then you shot a bunch of cops and then she got scared off and ran away. So you're like, oops, <laughs> better stalk someone else. Like the, the social implications of that are completely insane, but also very funny because it's not real, you know? Um, but I would say like the gameplay itself, um, like Janet said, incredibly similar to Watch Dogs 2. Um, I'm, I'm less interested in the setting personally uh, than I was this which i'm biased it was really cool to drive around like uh san francisco east bay oakland and stuff like that um but i i dig this game a lot it's it feels a little bit more futuristic in terms of like there are more self-driving cars there are these like sort of helicopter drones you can ride there's more I was hacking, like, how there's far more into the future is this like yeah. did you all have this, like near future london you must know yeah. something i don't because I, yeah, I don't know if they were like five years after the events of watchdogs too it's like this you guys went full jetsons like it's kind of insane <laughs> um but yeah I, I dig it a lot it's a uh, it's super fun i'm i'm still not 100 percent how the whole story is going to come together um but you will be playing as like you will have to pick certain characters for certain beats i did unlock the beekeeper uh that was a blast like the beekeeper shoots out basically swarms of like these tiny digital locusts that are uh, like our little like kind of drone locusts that that will hunt and and kill drone things sheets. yeah it's and then you can say release the bees i just think yeah it's really <laughs> it's, they have yeah. not drummed that up enough in the marketing i know they've been super up on like the grandma you got to play as yeah. but man, yeah uh digital bees is a good addition yeah so I I also have, unlocked, look, we're gonna say I was going to say, I have a very important question with regards to the grandma. If, if re ignoring the fact of whether this is a smart strategy or not, could I theoretically make all of my dead set, dead sec allies just grandmas? Uh, you Almost. probably, you could, you could get a lot of old people who have significant, uh, who are specific skills, basically. So you could, you could be like, here's a, I got a 90 year old hitman. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> hobbling down the street with a gun. He's like, I'm going to get him. Like, I just want an it? army of old people you, to, you to go through this game. You can't except for, uh, and Brian, I don't know if you played, I think you played this mission because it was, there was only a few there, but 
Um, there was a mission where you needed, like as part of the main campaign, you needed to get an Albion guard and you needed to use them to do a specific mission. And even if you got caught, like arrested, you, you died, but you're arrested, you're, you're dead. But they say you're arrested. <laughs> but usually they put it into a cooldown, but it, for that mission, they didn't do that because it would be super boring to have to wait to do that main mission. So it, it seems like there are going to be a few mandatory recruits, but outside of those recruits, you can get anyone. And yeah, you cool. can have so far they don't have a limit on how many you can have because I asked and they're like just go so I guess you could just have like the I don't entirety know, 80, of London. eighty old people <laughs> just storming. One, <laughs> so one of my favorites was you can you can recruit this uh, basically like these like pub drunks who like love they're like basically soccer hooligans, um, and they'll they're they're like they have the, every character has like special skills and summons almost and like this one basically just like calls her five friends from the bar and they just roll through drunk and just beat the shit out of people. <laughs> That's awesome. That, yeah, um, that was awesome. I will say I was watching Ubisoft forward with Joe Scribbles out of our UK office. And when the, like the pub, uh, patron came up as a playable character, he was like, I don't know whether to feel proud that they got this so right or sad that they got this so right for how that, how they're behaving. Uh, he, yeah. Hours. Yeah. I'm, I'm he, worried about how this game carves an identity for itself within days of cyberpunk. Um, it, that's definitely going to be, um, an interesting uphill battle for it. Uh, but it does have the sort of namesake of being a, a fairly, fairly well-known quantity in a franchise now. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're still making these games, honestly. Yeah, I think it's a it's a cool approach, and y you know, as sort of you and Janet were alluding to, it's not changing the game from what Watch Dogs Two was doing, but this you know recruit any NPC thing is different enough from a lot of other open world games that hopefully it does add something fresh for the whole experience. We'll of course have to see what playing it for an extended period of time looks like. Um, I, I did want to also mention because you were saying uh, not digging the setting uh, for Scrubbles, he was also saying like it felt like they were getting London pretty correct. Obviously, you know, this near future thing notwithstanding, it felt a little more uh, realistic than he's seen most games take it. So I think for him and that team, it's going to be exciting in the way it was exciting for us with Watch Dogs 2. Mm -hmm. uh, so presumably Watch Dogs 4 will go to Australia for the IGN Australian office. <laughs> um, but I do want to talk about uh, keeping things within, I guess, the the European Union, even though the UK isn't there anymore. Uh, sad, <laughs> sad days. Uh, I do want to talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, of course, because that was uh, another game that Mitchell, you got to go hands on with. Uh, our preview, I believe, was written by Matt Perslow. Um, so he wrote that preview. You can go check that out on IGN. He's not here right now, though, so we're not going to say anything else about him because forget him. No, he's taking a well-earned week off. But uh, Mitchell, you got to go also hands-on with AC Valhalla. We saw a bit of it in the Ubisoft Forward. Tell me what you thought of it. I know a little bit of what you thought about it, but go ahead and tell me. <laughs> All right, let me preface this by saying this this uh, demo kind of had a perfect storm of things working against it. For one, uh, you know, and Janet and you and everyone else had to deal with the same thing, but we had to stream this. This this was something that was running off of computers uh, in Ubisoft HQ in San Francisco that was being streamed to our computers. And so uh, I don't know how that went with everyone, but for me, there was a lot of compression in the in the uh, video. Uh, there was a little bit of input lag. Uh, so you know, from a, just a, a feel a, a perspective of how the game felt, it didn't feel as good as it would be if I actually had it in my hands, like on my computer or on my Xbox. Um, so that was working against it. Uh, the build 
that this game was running off of was very buggy. Uh, you can watch my like 13 minutes of gameplay that's on IGN right now, and you can see like the like to dislike ratio on it. There's a lot of stuff that went on. I would I would aim at someone with my bow, and I would tell my my uh, Raven to go over and harass him, and he would all of a sudden teleport to the other side of the area. Uh, you know, there were sound effects that were missing, uh, animations that looked janky. Like I would hit someone, they would go flying into the into space. Um, it, was a, so, it was a different time, Mitchell. It was the Viking time. Were, <laughs> you tell me that didn't happen back then. Yeah. People, didn't, people didn't develop keyframes until like thousands, you know, <laughs> hundreds of years after that. I'm not, I'm not familiar with Viking lore, so I, honestly, <laughs> this, this all just goes over my head. Um, so yeah, so obviously we have to make the disclaimer like this is work in progress. You know, this game's not coming out until, what was it, November they were saying? Yeah, November 17th. Yeah, so there's there's still time to you know work on it, and then the other thing that I was working against it is I just reviewed Ghost of Tsushima, and Ghost of Tsushima <laughs> does so many things that solve a lot of issues that I have with not just Assassin's Creed but the open world adventure genre as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no level gating in Ghost of Tsushima, and it looks like they're doubling down on the level gating in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is kind of a bummer to me. Um, because I just, I don't like being restricted to go to not being able to go somewhere because if I go there, I'm going to get one hit killed or I'm going to fight something, something that's going to take me five minutes to kill. And it's not going to reward me for my time spent. It does. Um, it does feel weird that we, that that's a franchise and I do like the modern AC games, but it is weird that it is, it evolved from basically like one hit hidden blade assassination stuff to uh my level 75 axe versus your level 81 axe and each character takes like 15 hits um mm-hmm. ghost of tsushima like you can you can you can one hit a lot of enemies in that game if you're if you're slick with it and yeah yeah i'm totally i could totally see that whiplash happening there yeah uh but to to counterbalance that there are some really cool things in this game uh I, it's it's not just you know even though there is a lot of similarity between it and odyssey and you know it, there's not that that huge leap in terms of the the gameplay that we got the last time there was a one year gap in in Assassin's Creed from Syndicate to Origins. Origins, yeah. Um, you know, it, it it does feel very similar to to Odyssey, but there are some really cool revamps of, of different systems. I really like the the new health restoration mechanic where you have to collect berries out in the field to put in your pouch, and eventually you'll fill a meter, and every time you fill that meter, you get an instant. A health potion basically so you don't have to be in the situation where you're constantly running away from fights because you're waiting for your health to restore um you can always stay in it and always you know restore life as long as you came in prepared so i really like that i really like the idea of being able to dual wield because it's you know it's very viking-esque and it you know you're not completely sacrificing your your defense for offense you can still do uh well-timed parries to to defend yourself um and i like that they're bringing back the uh the the cloak that you can wear and you can kind of use it to very stealthily walk through areas where you're not where not everyone is looking for you but you know it's it's kind of a high tension area um you can kind of blend in with crowds you can walk by someone stab them with your blade and keep walking which i think is just that that's that's the assassin fantasy right there yeah um so i think that's really cool and uh you know it's obviously 
even though I wasn't able to experience how beautiful how beautiful it was while I was playing because I was streaming and there was a lot of compression, <laughs> when I look back at the footage, man, this game's really pretty. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the world definitely that they showed off looked beautiful, if not um, some of those technical issues that you were talking about, unfortunately, for the demo. It, it is one of those like, man, we're just going to have to wait four more months and see how it turns out, because like, obviously, you know, they're no strangers to putting out Assassin's Creed games, especially at uh, launches of new generations. So hopefully it works out. But uh, it, it's definitely disappointing to hear about all the the difficulties you ran into for what is possibly one of the bigger showcases we'll get for this game before launch yeah, yeah it and is a sort of best case scenario to all things considered 2020 to be able to play these games like these um but yeah it's it's definitely not completely ideal i mean in a in a in normal universe we would have walked around the corner to ubisoft's offices and sat down in a room and played these games for three hours on big tvs um but it is what it is uh but yeah, I had I had almost sort of similar things with Watch Dogs where, you know, the hiccups and crashes and stuff like that. But a lot of it is like we're yeah, we're we're streaming what are essentially next gen console launch games through like our PCs at home on our like apartment internet, you know, yeah, which is it, it- it does sound like Mitchell, your experience was a little bit rougher than me yeah. and Brian's. Um and I'm not sure if that's because the build itself is not as much in a in a state of, to be released. Uh, it's really difficult whenever there are these preview events because on one hand, we never want to misrepresent the game for what it is about to be once it's you know fully baked, but also we also don't want to not address uh, technical issues. So you know that's always kind of a difficult thing, but I'm, I am glad you brought that up. And in my preview uh, towards the end, in the written version, not as much in the video because I didn't want to like show bugs that will probably be patched out because the person showing me was like, that's a bug that we will fix. So I didn't want to really highlight those, but I did mention that um, there are a few with watchdogs. I did run into a few like glitches. Um, and then just in general, the falling animations for characters was a little janky, but I think that's their style. Cause that's how watchdogs Two also looks. <laughs> so, um, and I did see on the comments of my preview, some people kind of saying that the, you know, the facial animations didn't feel as like up to par with what they expected, but also coming off of like, the last of us two or the facial animations are really good you know i i think it's always good to point that out because if it does come out and it doesn't it still has those problems you know at least you address them here so i am glad that you brought that up yeah and you know last of us two has has set a very high bar in a lot of regards that i I don't think is it's completely fair to to judge every game to that standard um because not every game is going to have the the kind of you know development cycle and and budget that last of us part two did um but uh, and you know just to go to a couple other things i thought were really cool about the demo uh you know you you go to this this traditional viking wedding and there's all these really cool like uh scenes of just that culture and you know they like the king and and his bride have like this really cool ceremony where they're like putting paint on on each other's foreheads and it's just stuff as someone who's not super familiar with with that culture to be to have that as something I can look at, uh, it was it was just a very nice feeling, and and then on the other side of that, you have Viking drinking games, <laughs> which are yeah. are also super fun in their own way. I'm I'm excited to see all the slice of life stuff they have in there, uh, and especially like the the base building and how that grows organically through the game, which is not something you can really feel through a couple hours uh so mm-hmm. it'll definitely be really interesting to see all that stuff i do know that uh we confirmed you can recruit a cat to your ship so uh that's pretty great yeah good 
And then you can, I mean, I don't know if you can, but maybe you can take that, that cat on a raiding party and uh, just bust down doors and steal, steal a bunch of riches with it. And then it turns out. I I did break the news story last year at E3 that you cannot, there's no dogs and watchdogs. And so I I do want to point that out for, for balance purposes of the universe. They did delay the game though for several months. So that is true. But I don't know if anyone asked them. Yeah, I dropped the call. I didn't ask. The Mm. one question that I needed to ask, I did not ask. Sorry. It could be the main boss. We don't know yet. It could. Yeah, I I was going to say it it is at the end of Watchdog. There were there were Watchdogs. There were so many dogs in Watchdog Two. I thought you said it was just like Watchdogs Two. (laughs) Clearly, I just—it's a flagrant lie. I just came here to just. Tell yeah, no, my, my friend's Classic a programmer, and he said that that uh, senior citizens in games take up six times more RAM than a single dog, <laughs> and so they had to basically... It's not true. <laughs> the equivalency of senior citizens to dogs is a, a hell of a computing uh, process that we don't have the time or the know-how to get into this week. Uh, but we also, unfortunately, are pretty much out of time for this week in general, so we'll have to hold the tech discussion around dogs for another week. But uh, thank you, Janet. Thank you, Mitchell. And thank you, Brian, for joining me and telling me all about uh the games i'm very jealous you all got to play uh, go watch only- that Tsushima episode yes uh definitely yeah. go watch that episode if you didn't already i do want to just quickly give a shout out uh fall guys which is a really cool looking uh battle royale, royale game is coming to ps4 on august 4th uh, i'm really excited to go play that uh i hope we can talk about that game in the weeks to come hey, you uh, know what of course- that game did do the thing where they they teased the release date by by doing all the, the first letter of every tweet they did yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, other game devs get on that. PS5, yeah. Herm- Herman's tweets. Go go investigate Herman Holt's <laughs> tweets and tell me what secrets you <laughs> Uh Anyway, thank you all for listening and or watching this episode of Podcast Beyond, our weekly PlayStation show. You can catch it normally every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. If you haven't in uh, some recent time, maybe go like the video or subscribe or hit the stars or whatever the things are. It, it helps the shows but uh we appreciate you all watching and listening as always uh, and thank you all for being on this episode thank you to red our producer and uh we hope you're safe we hope you're well and as always beyond beyond beyond, beyond.